Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome along to the Talent Intelligent Podcast. My name is Alan McFadden, and today I am delighted to have with me Sarah Millerstone from Trillabog Industrial Solutions. How are you, Sarah? Hi, thanks you for having me, Alan. And just, uh, just off a fresh trip to Scotland as well. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so I might start mimicking your uh, your accent every now and then. <laughs> at, least, at, least you, at least you'll understand me now, Sarah. Exactly. Good. exactly. So, good. so for, for our listeners today, Sarah, I have been chasing Sarah to get her on the podcast for the last couple of months. I am a massive fan of what Sarah does, what she believes in, what she speaks about on LinkedIn and the podcast that you always attend. So Sarah, this has been definitely something I've been really excited to get you on to speak about. A couple of really key subjects I'd like to go over today, but before we get there, um, could you just let people know a little bit about yourself, how you get into HR jobs. It's now expanded over a career of nearly 20 years. So, mm. so could you just get us a little Even bit? Even though I'm so yourself. young, Alan. I'm That's so it, young. Of course, and so you must have started, years. Must have like started when you were 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you for having me. Thank you for those nice words, right? So, uh, so yeah, so I've been in HR for almost 20 years now. Um, and I've kind of grown from starting in the recruiter part of the of HR yeah. and then slowly but surely working my way to an HR business partner role from a country perspective, then Nordic perspective. I'm Swedish, by the way, so that makes sense for me. And then to a European role. And now I would say over the last seven, eight years, more global HR roles. Um, I am I am dead passionate about people and people's behavior, and I'm like peculiarly interested in why do people act like they do, uh, and what can you do to maybe influence them to move in a different direction. Uh, one might say manipulation, but I tend to to yeah. uh, to think of it more as okay. So, what can I do to help you? What can I do to coach you to move in a direction that would be beneficial not only for you but also for the organization that we work for? Um, so, I have two main interests. I would say one of them is business, and one of them is psychology. And HR for me is like the perfect combination of those two. Um, so that's how I got into HR to begin with. And I love my job, Alan. It's just uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I think every time we've spoke, every time I explain um, yourself to people, so that's the thing that always comes across to me. I'm a little bit like you. I like to I like to get to know people. I like to get to know what motivates them. And I, I don't think there's anything better than improving people and I've always mm -hmm. said that and that's one thing I love about my role but the thing I always get from you is the energy you just yeah. you tell me really <laughs> you're passionate about it and it takes us on to today's subject and honestly I'm I'm a great believer in this and one of the reasons why I started speaking to you in the first place was all round about genuine leadership now I mm -hmm. think genuine leadership can be took in lots of different ways but for me nowadays it's mostly mostly about how we look at self-insight that to me is the most key to being able to understand yourself as a leader, how you can move others, how you can help people to become better in their roles. You know, and I think from genuine leadership point of view, could you just give us a little bit of an overview? I know it's something that's a real passionate for yourself. Agree. Uh, so genuine leadership for me, it, you you, descri you described it really, really well. And sorry if, if I sometimes say something that doesn't make sense in English. That's no when I speak Swinglish, probably. Yeah. Uh, so genuine leadership for me is the it's pretty it's pretty simple a simple philosophy to be honest it's about making sure that you understand who you are what are your values what are the things that you will never budge on 
and what type of leader are you and what type of leader do you want to be? Not mimicking anybody else. You can take bits and pieces and be inspired, but you cannot become somebody else. Uh, and if you are genuine in your leadership, you're going to attract the right people for you. So the people who want to follow you because they you stand for something, right? And if you mimic somebody else, I mean, uh, from a from a human psychology perspective, we're quite clever in that. We can always sense if someone is being untruthful. I don't want to go as far as saying that you're lying, but if you're acting like something that you're not, we intuitively pick that up as something's off with this person. And we register that in our brains as a lie, which makes us trust you less. So even though you can have all the great intentions and it's not about you trying to be something bad or something, you know, trying to lie to a person, you will come across as someone who is, well, not being genuine, yeah. right? Um, so if you know who you are and you have that insight first and you then become a genuine version of yourself, you will then also attract people who want to work with you and want to do great things with you. Yeah. Um and that could be different. That could be a different crowd for me than it is for you, than it is for somebody else. And that's perfect because there is no one size fits all when it comes to leadership. Yeah. I, I absolutely hate these leadership books where it's like, oh, these are the five top traits of a successful leader. And all of us have to become like that. And all of us all of a sudden have to wake up at freaking dawn and go out running and do all kinds of crazy things. And that's great if that's for you. But if it's not, then be who you are, right? And be as successful as you want to be and it, within your field and within your realm, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's okay to be vulnerable to, to people who you're yes. looking after as well. You know, I think we don't, we're not expected to know all the answers. And it's good. And like you said, I think over, over a career as I've spoke to, I've been kind of in professional sports most of my career as well. And the managers who I could always get behind were the people who I knew were being themselves. See mm. the people who were trying to mimic a Jose Mourinho from on the television or whatever. I used to see through it and we do see through it. And there's of no course. different to the staff that you bring in. Do you think there's a real characteristic then to being, to being a manager? What would you say is the key characteristic to understanding yourself? Do you think it's being self-reflective or what, what would you say is the, the kind of number? So one? I think, I mean, to, to be a successful leader, yes, there is one trait that you have to have. You have to be interested in people because yeah. otherwise there's no point in being a leader, right? Then then you become a specialist. And that there's nothing wrong with that either. You just have to make sure that you are absolutely interested in the people around you. That's what makes a good leader. That's the one trait that I would say. So if you're interested in people, it kind of comes automatic to me that then you should also be interested in, in you, all right? So why do I act the way that I do? But most importantly, I'm not kind of encouraging everyone to lay down on some sort of the psychological couch and, you know, oh, my childhood and all of this. That You don't have to do that. But what you really have to recognize is there are two versions of you. There's the version that you believe that you are, and then there's the version that you are perceived as. And that's the trick to becoming a great leader for me. You can understand yourself and have the self-insight, but it means nothing. I was about to say a bad word, but it means nothing yeah. if you don't also understand how that comes across to other people. So let me give you an example. Please. I know for a fact that I, I'm super passionate about certain things. I know I'm also very quick. I'm not super detail focused. I'm very good at looking at big pictures, patterns, 
where do we go? How do we move there? And then, to be honest, I'm not really, I don't really care uh, exactly about the details. I leave that to my team to make sure that I'm, I'm surrounded by that type of, of people. Um, that can come across as being a super passionate, genuine leader who likes, this is where we're going. I'm good at motivating people. It can also come across as someone who is too aggressive, who doesn't listen to people. It can be a bit intimidating uh, if you don't know me. Right. If you don't know why I act like I do, I can come across as someone who who intimidates people to actually open their mouth in a meeting, which is the opposite of what I want. Because as a leader, you really need to take input from everybody, especially those who think differently than you do. And if if that's what I want to happen, but in reality, I actually scare some people off who might be more introvert or or shy or whatever you want to call that, right? Yeah. Then then I'm not having the desired effect, even though I'm being myself, even, even though I'm being genuine. So self-insight is the start, but then you also need to understand what effect does my behavior have on the people around me? Is the best thing for that then communicating? And so twofold probably, is it communicating your style to your team, but then also being able to to probably get people round about you that are better at the stuff that you're not to do that? Is it maybe, what would you say is the right I, way? I think it's both. both. I think it's both. I mean, let's go back to what you said before in the sense of you can, as a leader, you're not expected to know everything, right? Mm -hmm. And and those are not the leaders that motivates me or the vast majority of our population, to be honest. Um, you need to be someone who can lift others, who can say, and be vulnerable to say that this is not really my area of expertise, but that's why I have this person or that person on my team. And together we do something great, right? So it's about being vulnerable in that. And then also, yes, communicating that I know that I can come across as, I'll use myself again as example, right? I know I might come across, this is normally what I do when I have a new team or, or, or a group of people that I need something out of. If you feel like I'm talking too much, if you feel like I am not listening or not hearing, please know that that's never my intention and it's actually the opposite. So if you in any you know time during our time together feel that, please make sure to just notice me, make me make me notice that yeah. um, and, uh, and and raise it and, and then we'll address it and we'll talk about it because my number one point while I'm here is that I want to listen to each and every one of you. So you can start off with something that simple. It gives everyone permission then to say, hey, uh, I actually do have a question. It also gives permission to the people who know me well to say, Sarah, you need to sit down and shut up now for a minute. <laughs> You're being too passionate about yeah. something, right? Um, and I just think that's part of knowing yourself and not taking that as a as an attack or or being intimidated by someone else having something that's worth it, worthy of saying right so so i think mm -hmm. it goes in those two ways so you have to communicate around it you have to be vulnerable about it uh but to be able to do that you also need to know that this is what what can happen i think that's quite key sometimes having people around about you that aren't scared to say to you alan shut yes. You know, Definitely. I think that's key. You know, I think myself and Nikki, who work quite close, growing our growth team here, we are very much, we've knew each other a long time. We were worried about mixing 
personal with business for a long time, but it's worked out great because me and him are very much the two soundboards for each other. Mm. And you've got to, if I'm like you, I'm very passionate. I can sometimes come across over passionate at times. Yeah. And Nicky will just give me his little hand or a look and I just know I'm going to, I've gone too far or I'm going too quick or yeah. I'm jumping ahead. We've employed or this team is, this team has grew by nearly nine heads since January. So even then, some of the things you're talking about, it's like, how do you understand each person, what their learning style is? Are you better speaking to somebody one-to-one or in a group? It's just like, all these things are so relevant. One thing I would say, and I think I mentioned the off-camera, Sarah, as I did mention to a lot of our listeners that you were coming on, and one of the things you brought up to Ashi was round about, do you feel technology has hampered people's ability to enable managers? And my answer to them was I think it's there to enable teams. I think there's lots of great technology there, but do you think that's affected the, the kind of industry? Of course it's affected. I mean, of yeah. course it has. I mean, we would be naive to think not, but I don't necessarily think of it as something bad, right? So I think of it as a tool that you, if you use it wisely, then then it will only enable you as a leader. So. I'll give you an example, right? So I, I have people on my team who are not necessarily comfortable in talking in front of everybody else, who are not necessarily comfortable in raising their hand when there's a lot of people in a room or, or having discussions. They can then send me messages while we're having the meeting even, uh, and then and then ask me, can you raise this? Because I think that's important. And then I'll raise the topic and then they're comfortable in saying, Yes, I actually agree with Sarah because of so and so and so. And that's me knowing that part of my team, that's that's what makes them comfortable, right? Uh, and then also having the whole, well, let's have the whole hybrid workplace uh, discussion while, while we're at it, right? That also makes a lot of people more comfortable and it makes a lot of people less comfortable mm -hmm. and you kind of need to know which ones and then how to treat them how to how to act appropriately right and then my my sort of my main point when i speak to to any of the teams that i coach is that please don't believe that just because you have a leader that that person is some sort of guru that can just read your mind okay mm -hmm. you also have to open your mouth and that's your responsibility as an employee and say to your leader hey i would really prefer if we do it like that or i don't really like it when this and this happens and if you have a genuine type of leadership then people will sorry people will say that to you yeah. um I got so passionate now that my tongue didn't really follow. <laughs> uh, but uh, but then you will be able to have those type of individual conversation and also understand that this is not an attack on you or your leadership style, but it's about your team members telling you, I would can we do it like this? Because that makes my world easier, right? So I think the really same boat as me, technology really needs to be there as an enablement tool. We use a couple of really good ones for even just prompting things like your monthly check-ins, yes. recording the monthly check-ins. All these things can be totally, when used the right way, I agree, they're amazing. When a lot of the examples I was quizzing people on, it was like when managers just purely rely on automation for doing a lot of stuff. Again, I think that goes right back to everything I talk about in recruitment is 
I think there's lots of great technology out there, but the human mm. aspect of it's never going to go away. No. That's no. And so I think also we need to be aware of the fact that every single piece of technology out there was created by a human being. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's like an, a, you, you could use whatever tool in a good way or in a bad way. Yeah. And it depends on your intentions, right? So... And sometimes it you can have the best of intentions, but if you just go ahead without actually speaking to somebody about this is what's going to happen, it can have a bad result anyway. Absolutely. So again, we're back to have a, have a, an open and honest conversation about it. Mm, I mean, you. we do tend to hire adults here. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> come on. Totally. I totally get that. So listen, the next one that came through a lot was if you could ask Sarah what the top tip would be for enabling managers now i know that's quite a big subject but what would you say is the key thing to if you were to give one bit of advice to a team that our managers or leaders listening to this who want to enable their managers to be better what would you say is the top top thing you would advise you mean from if i how do i enable my manager to become a better leader yeah absolutely um I would say honest, just an honest conversation, because we are then again talking about a genuine leadership style and a genuine leadership style cannot be, again, one size fits all, even within your team. So you cannot you cannot come across as a leader and say, OK, so I know that uh, that I uh, can be perceived as overly aggressive because I'm so and so and so. Ergo, I'm going to treat all of my team members exactly the same because I think that's fair. And now you know me. That's yeah. bullshit. OK, yeah, yeah. you really need to be able to understand. I need to tone this part of my personality up or down, depending on who it is that I speak with. And the only way for me to honestly know that as a leader is if you tell me, is if you give me feedback around Sarah, when you said it like that, that made me feel so-and-so, or that made me think blah, blah, blah. It Was that your intention? Yes, it might have been. Or I go, no, absolutely no. not. I wanted it to be perceived like this. Thanks for telling me. And that's the only way that you can coach your own manager into becoming the best manager for you. Yeah. Again, we're not freaking superheroes just because you're a manager, right? We we need to be told what is it that you prefer. It's like any partnership. Yeah. It's like any relationship that you have with another human being. Yeah. You need to talk. Gavin, our CEO, says to me all the time, manage up the way. He says yeah. it all the time. He wants he wants feedback. He wants us to go and sometimes manage what his expectations can be, etc. And it's always something that sticks to my mind. Yeah. Speak yeah. to your managers. Be, be as much. Again, we've said a few times the communication is key, right? And I think sometimes that people, when they come across across like me and you do, quite passionate, quite overpowering. Sometimes, sometimes it's. I mean, sometimes people say stuff back to me, and I, especially if I write to them by email, I can be really. They say, "Alan, do you realise that's how that sounded?" And I'm like, "God, no!" And that's something exactly. that if you don't know about it, how do we ever check ourselves for doing it? And if yeah. And then, I mean, there's, let me give you an example of, of, a, of a person that I had on my team a couple of years back. Um, for him, it was really, really important to spend the first 10, 15 minutes of any conversation we had about nothing, about social things, Just, you know. Yeah. That is absolutely not, it doesn't come natural to me at yeah. all. 
I, I always jump in like, hi, everyone's fine. Great. Okay, let's go. And it's not because I don't care. Yeah. It's because that's just not me. It doesn't come natural to me. Yeah. So when he told me that what you're doing now, Sarah, makes me feel like you don't care about me. And I said, that's absolutely not the truth. But thank you for telling me. I made a conscious effort of so it wouldn't freak me out or stress me out. I just prolonged all of our meetings with 15 minutes. And then I knew that the first 10, 15 minutes, all I have to do is say, hey, what's going on? And then he would blabber around, you know, for 10, 15 minutes about things that was really important to him. And I wouldn't get stressed thinking, hey, I need to get through these like five points with you. And we only have this amount of time. That helped our relationship so much. And all I needed to do was just listen to him and say, okay, I didn't want that to happen at all in our relationship. So let's go about it this way. And then I have other people who are exactly like me where they're like, okay, yeah, fine. Oh shit. I forgot to ask you, Hey, yeah. how was your, you know, his, and, and I never feel like they don't care about me because I'm exactly the same. So and, and most yeah. of the time as managers, we are thinking next task, diary management, what we got to do. And it's all about that, isn't it? And sometimes we can, I wake up in the morning and I know the next six tasks I've got to complete in the next, so I get that. So it's probably, it's great advice to anybody listening. If you have got people that are are more motivated by understanding, getting some things off their chest, especially, and I think it takes us into the next point. I think that came up quite a lot during remote working and being able to look at people's kind of mental well-being during that point. I know you're yeah. a big, you're a big, you talk a lot about this and it's something I'm really passionate about, but I think, I give you myself as an example here, sir. I think when my boss and my old work used to speak to me about remote working, when she first spoke to me about it, I hated it because I was in a one-bedroom flat myself, 24-7, yeah. just working, nowhere else to go. Then when things opened up and I could start to then go to play golf, go to the gym, do things, mm -hmm. it started to become more appealing to me because I then started concentrating on things like I don't need to sit tours in a car going into Glasgow every morning and traffic yeah. for a 15-minute drive. You know, and I think there's definitely became, there's a thin line between whether it's good or bad. What is your, I know you talk about it quite a lot, what is your thoughts on kind of, do you think hybrid working has helped or been been kind of bad for people's mental wellness? I think both. Uh, and I think it's, uh, I mean, I look at it then from a global perspective, because every country kind of treated it differently. So you guys were on complete lockdown. Yeah. We were not, for instance. I mean, those two things have a huge impact on your mental well-being <clears throat> and how we could interact with each other. So again, it's about the communication portion around it. I, I happen to live in a house where I can have my own office space, right? Um, and I can walk from my office in my house to a different location in my house and be like, okay, we're done working for the day. I also have colleagues who who, who live like you, right? And, yeah. and also sometimes even worse, Alan, where it's like, okay, I live with my partner and we live in a one-bedroom apartment, and he or she is also working from home. Yeah. So does one of us sit on the bed? Or, or I mean, what's what's happening here? So we kind of treated it like there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to hybrid working. So we really tried to accommodate through those two years. What's going on in your country? What's your living situation? What can we do to support you? And in the beginning, 
all of my managers, all of my leaders wanted me to come out with a golden rule for six and a half thousand employees to say, you're allowed to work this amount of hours from home and it cannot be on a Thursday or whatever bullshit type of rules. Yeah. And I just came back and I said, I'm really sorry, guys, but that's not going to happen because, again, there is no one size fits all. Yeah. You need to sit down with your individuals and ask them, what's your preferred situation here? And then as a team, you then discuss what's our preferred situation. Do we always want to see each other on Wednesdays to have creative meetings? Or when do you have to pick up from daycare? Or how's your dog? Or you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then you guys decide as a team, our decision is that we always meet in the office for blah, 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 right? That conversation, is difficult to have via link like you and I are doing now mm -hmm. if you didn't have a relationship built on trust already. So if you had that, it became quite natural as a leader to have to continue to have those conversations. Let's say you had a newcomer into your team or you just didn't have that type of report with your team before COVID. Uh, that's when I saw it becoming very, very difficult. And that's also when I saw the effect of mental wellness on both employer and managers. Um, and that's where we needed to step in from an HR perspective and coach. And I don't have like a golden rule that oh, then we did this and that worked for everybody because it doesn't. So, but those were the times where I felt like, okay, here, here you're gonna need a little bit more of an HR support. Mm. Um, I also really encouraged all of our leaders to to reach out to HR and, and ask for the help and be vulnerable because I said none of us have been in this situation before. So we don't really know either. So we have to kind of like iterate, have an iterative process back and forth. What, what is it that we do to make this work for as many people as possible? Yeah. Um, but I do see that the colleagues who live in countries that were on complete lockdown, are way worse off than colleagues who happen to live in countries where it was more of a hybrid model already from the beginning. And um, I suppose it's probably got even, and people don't really probably measure it as much, but it's probably got an after effect as well. There's probably yes. some people now, I had a girl that joined my team recently and she was like, I'm just dying to work in the office every day because she couldn't bear being in the house every day again after no. being through there. So I do I get that. We get asked a lot when people knew you were coming on about that subject, and I know it's massive, right? But I do think there is, I think you've you've already kind of said it, communication is key. You know, I yes. think it's, sometimes people think it's just the employer's um, responsibility. Some people think it's just the manager. Some things mm. say, oh, it's their employee. But really, it's all three. It's all yes. three people being able to communicate the best way to make sure your staff are okay, what motivates them the best way, just different things that can help with that. And I think Definitely. that's probably the golden rule to that is just make sure that people aren't scared. When you've got HR teams that are as talented as what you guys are, use their expertise, ask questions, mm. be curious. As a manager, enable yourself to go, what actually helps? I remember one of the things we did early on was we put a survey out the staff saying, and it was like 10 or 15 questions we got from a global HR um, partner of ours just to say what questions should we be asking to see whether people do want to return to the office does hybrid working help it was like it's dead weird you could see even in the surveys like for instance like single parents they were like I'm happy being at home I don't I can <laughs> out and get my kids I can come back 
people were single like myself at the time, not now, but at the time it was like, yeah, I want to go back to the office, I want to meet people, I want to speak mm. to people. Because the biggest thing for me was I used to be in meetings with peers like yourself and we just talked business because we had time to yeah. like, let's get this done. I remember when I first went back in the office, one of my colleagues went, Alan, how was your football at the weekend? And I was like, we haven't spoken about that for two years now. Like, no, exactly. This ever. But yeah. I do think you're probably right. Communication is absolutely key. To yeah. So and, and knowing kind of like the process around it, because I mean, let's let's be honest, not everyone has that type of report, neither with your manager or, or maybe with your yeah. HR team. Um, and I mean, I remember I come from seven years of traveling every second week for jobs. Yeah. I mean, for my job. And then uh, and then COVID happened. And then I couldn't travel at all. Me and my family were simply not used to me being in the house every day. Yeah. And it freaked us all out. And I mean, I, I swear to God, after six weeks of home, I thought I was going to kill at least one <laughs> member of my family. Um, and then that kind of forced me to think a little bit about again we're back to the self-insight yeah. why do i feel like this what is this restlessness that causes me to feel like this yeah. what can what can i do to channel that in a different way Most positive. Uh, exactly and then you me as an individual then i'm responsible for figuring out what is it that i need to be able to stay calm and productive and you know through this period but then I also need a manager that I can talk to who said to me, whatever it is that you need, Sarah, we've got you, right? Yeah. And then you also need an employer who says, hey, we're just not going to schedule calls from eight o'clock in the morning till five o'clock because I know some of you don't even have time to go to the freaking bathroom. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, we're not going to do that anymore. So it was an iterative process. The first, I would say, four or five, six months even. Um and at the beginning, all of us thought it was going to end. We were just like, yeah, 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 in two weeks' time it'll end, in two weeks' time. And then you realize, shit, it's never going to end, you know? But now we're back to more of a, okay, this is the new normal. How do we deal with that? Um, and it's totally changed the way we work now, hasn't it? When you think, yeah. I think back to traveling, like I said, every morning to the office, it genuinely makes me feel anxious now, thinking I was yes. two hours in a car just sitting bored out my mind before I even got productive in a day wasn't exactly day, you know, no so. it's not I mean it's not optimal at all and to be honest I will never go back to a job that requires me to travel every second week because yeah. I've got I'm married and we've got two boys right and they're now 12 and 16 they grew up with knowing that their mom was away every second week so so it was I don't feel like oh you know they yeah. didn't miss anything their dad is amazing uh, but he also has a job. So he carried a lot of the weight at home. Yeah. I didn't know who had football practice on Wednesdays or what kind of school yeah. lunch was happening and blah, blah, blah. And now that I'm working from home, I work from home almost four or five, four days a week. Yeah. Um, I get to be here when my kids come home from school and spend 10 minutes with them. That's all they want from their mom, to be honest, when they're 12 <laughs> and 16. But I get to spend those 10 minutes with them and just say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you need a snack? Blah, blah, blah. And then I can go back to work again. Mm -hmm. And then I also know that I'm here for if they need me. They don't need me every day now. Yeah, but, they do, you're there. but if they do, I'm here, you know? I think it definitely. I think it's definitely changed though, the way we work for the good, especially for you're quite. I spoke about this in a previous episode, but you're probably similar to me. Where my obsessiveness probably got to where I am. I can be very obsessive by stuff, 
but it does damage parts of my life at times. I know it does, like, my partner can then go and I'll get to bed, it's midnight or whatever, now it's like, I get it. So, totally. Listen, Sarah, I really, again, I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate your time today. There's always something I do at the end of every podcast, which I'm genuinely loving now. It's mm-hmm. when, if people want to try and keep it as clean as you can for me, if you could go back to your younger self starting out in your career, what would the one bit of really key advice you would give yourself, what would it be? It would be in the very, very beginning of your career, try as many different paths and different uh, industries and different types of organizations as you possibly can to figure out which one actually suits you the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you kind of know that that's the one that suits me the best, be it an organizational style, I mean, huge corporate or like small startup or whatever it is that suits you, and also the type of leadership that suits you, then stick with that, no matter what people around you are saying, that this is actually a better career move. Fuck, fuck yeah, that. Okay. Just yeah. go, <laughs> go with the one that suits you, you know, and that's where you're going to be the most successful, the most productive, the most happy in your choices, because success doesn't look like just the one page you know it can be so many different things and you get to decide that for yourself but to be able to know that you need to try a couple of things out like my my does that make sense that would be my advice quite similar to my my granda used to give me advice used to say alan in your 20s have fun try as much as you can um career-wise, 30, understand what you're good at, get really good at it, and 40, make money out of it. That's what you used to exactly. say. Exactly. So it's quite similar. You're quite similar to what my dad. I am like your granddad. Thank you very much. <laughs> same, same wisdom, but look a lot younger. <laughs> look a lot. Thank you for that. Thank you for that note. <laughs> Sarah, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you.